Pathfolk, and welcome to the Mummy's Mask actual play after party 48. I can never remember how Rick does the introduction, so that's what you're getting. (laughs) (laughs) Pathfinders, the Five Path Podcast actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. There you go. It's after party 48, which is episodes 142, 143, and 144. Which you'd think for 144 episodes, you would have learned the intro by now. I tune, I tune it out every single time and wait for him to like finish, and then we start banter, so I don't remember. I do put a dramatic pause in there every time as I'm like, dramatic pause? What adventure path is this? Mummy's mask. <laughs> I just I listen every time because I always want to have a comment to start off the discussion or banter or whatever we end up getting up to. Now the official opening is me saying that and then pausing and then saying the episode name and then Jessica going, woohoo. Very <laughs> it's in every single one. And then it's just a race of whether or not Jordan or Rachel starts trying to say something like the one about blah. <laughs> so, yes, this after party 48, the one about Heather's in charge. Go, Heather. I Okay. Am I always in charge now? I like that. Okay. So, um, Uh-oh. I can email over my GM notes. That's fine. Oh, y'all don't want that. <laughs> I don't know. Then Rick's a player. That might be interesting. Look at me. Look at me, Mashika. I'm the peachy now. <laughs> we would be in so much trouble. <laughs> oh, no, I'm vulnerable to lightning. Why is there a wall of lightning? Anyway, get a little ahead of things. Yeah, these last three episodes were pretty fight heavy, to be honest. Yep. Yeah. It's true. 142 was the fight uh, with the cultists of Ereshkigal and our... Uh, Bodak friends trapped ah. in their sarcophagi uh. against the wall. I am so glad we didn't actually have to fight those. <laughs> oh, all of them? No, that would have been awful. That would have been run outside and just wait for uh, Sophronia to deal with it. <laughs> you know? Remind me in however many episodes it takes for you guys to finish the rest of this Sphinx dungeon to discuss about that room and what happens if you choose to fight all the Bodak. Bad I'm things. I'm not sure I want to know. Yeah, it's bad. It's, death will happen. It's very interesting. Uh-oh. Uh oh. <laughs> uh, I turned one of them into a cat, and now I feel responsible for said cat because she doesn't remember she was ever a moftet. So that's yeah. the downside of uh, <laughs> a kitty and now you have a pet. No, I'm gonna give her to Rahi, which is probably where we're gonna put the bee baby. I would assume when we rescue the bee baby, it's just make out a quick run to Rahi and be like, "Here, have a kitten." We could teleport a it back to the three ray. To be honest, I mean they have a very oh, yeah, distinctive sure. looking place, so I don't know why we would not just do that. I don't know. Jess seemed dubious about Hollis being able to get there, so I could probably get there. Maybe if I rolled well on a percentile, I could definitely get back. Yeah. If I don't end up there, I'll end up in some other random place. We just end up in another three ray hive. It's like, oops. You want a baby? Will you transfer this to the other hive? Are you all friends? Probably not. I don't know. It's like, no, we're in Vudra. Ouch. It's like, dang it. On the subject of Belfull Polymorph, and unfortunately Ross isn't here because he's the only other uh, person that I know that actually knows this story. Very long story short and extraordinarily minor spoilers. In Second Darkness, I had a wizard who polymorphed a gray render into a sugar glider. But it retained its memory as a gray render. (laughs) So I just imagine because they have this obsessive compulsion without like protecting like flocks or groups of people. I just imagine this sugar glider flying around and protecting small other groups of sugar gliders. Deciding this is my town now and flying down and attacking random people. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Belfal Polymorph is a weird spell. I like it. it. It's fun. I love it, but it's so weird. It's also one of those ones that rarely happen. Like you rarely get it off. It's a classic trope, yeah. Well, it's you have to know who you're targeting. Target mm-hmm. wizards yeah. with belful polymorphs. Yeah. Don't target yeah. clerics or fighters or things like that. They Big will things. never fail a fortitude save. You always want to go for like, oh, I mean, because I'm pretty sure I could probably get a belful polymorph on Hollis if I had oh, a probably. character that popped up that had belful polymorph. Hint, Maybe hint. I got a plus yeah. seven. <laughs> That's true. And then, but Hollis would probably retain her intelligence because of her will save. So mm. if Jessica, if Hollis had a still and silent spell, she could then 
prepare all of her spells at too higher of a spellcasting level, just be a spellcasting chicken for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know why they would have turned her into a chicken other than it's the first animal that they saw. It's like, chicken, that makes sense. Uh-huh. And then it's Sugar and I, two chickens on a mission. <laughs> <laughs> and Sugar's super smart, so it's, like, we're It's like set. a buddy cop show. Oh, man. <laughs> just two chickens. No one can understand us. <laughs> I just got the Blues Brother thing. It's like, we're on a mission from God, and they pull out their Nethys card. <laughs> yes. yes. If I get Baleful Polymorphed, it has to be a chicken. But the we'll other Moptet ran away. I don't know if it was because their sure. friend got turned into a cat, or if it was they were like, oh, I'm, I'm out of here. I better oh, tell I totally the boss, I totally forgot man. about that, too. So, like, they yeah. double know that we're, we're, we're here and coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just letting everybody know. And then we uh, we found poor Lagash in the next room. And the next Well, episode. you went through the Chamber yeah. of Rituals purification first and yes. found uh, where they'd sacrificed a whole bunch of people. And yeah. then we uh, we found Lagash. That was the same episode. Yes, it was. Yeah. Oh, was Lagash? it? Yeah, oh. the, fight didn't take, the fight didn't take very long. Cause, yeah, the well, fight actually was really quick. And we figured out that the others had made him read uh, Reshkigal's Riddle Book of Doom, which I can't remember the name of. The Riddles of the Flesh. Yeah, An no, interlocking I, series of puzzles that no mortal has ever been able to comprehend. I have never, ever felt a compulsion so deep to be like, Hollis, that will be her next mission. Uh-oh. Oh, God. <laughs> nah, you're going to... I like that it's mad. not just that, that that people can't answer it, is that no mortal has been able to comprehend yep. the riddles. Oh, jeez. <laughs> like, oh, well, well yeah. And uh, and it, it drove him a little crazy. and stuff there. And we were able to answer his riddles, which yep. I got one right, and I was like, "I don't. What is wrong and with weirdly, the universe?" I got one right, which <laughs> is super yeah. weird. It was uh, Heather, Jordan, and then sort of me. Like I had the idea, and then I think y'all corrected me. Yeah, we kind of yeah. sorted it out. I made a mention in one of the recent uh, episodes, actually, that I had some uh, some behind the scenes that I wanted to talk about with the riddles there. So I'm going to take you guys back 92 episodes. Oh, oh God. God! What? 92 episodes ago, I think it was like two days before, I was getting ready for episode 50 and decided I was going to introduce Tedesura and have Sudi's backstory come out and all the rest of that and bring up the whole Tedesura angle as Onurus' mentor. And I needed riddles. And I went, I remember seeing a riddle sidebar. And so I flipped to book four of this adventure path to Lagash's riddles. Uh-huh. <laughs> And I stole his three riddles there for Tedesura to use in book two. (laughs) And then about two weeks ago, I got to this point and I was just like, okay, oh yeah. And they're going to do this. Crap. I already used all of his riddles, didn't I? (laughs) (laughs) They really should have given you some backup riddles. Yeah. So I briefly considered cutting the encounter, but then I decided to be a little bit more fun to find some riddles. And then I found a couple of riddles that I kind of liked, but didn't really like. I didn't like the way they flowed or really worked together. So I basically took three riddles and then reworked them. So those were technically my riddles, but they were uh, drew a lot of inspiration from other riddles that I found on the internet. So Cool. And apparently they were obvious enough because you guys got them without too much difficulty. <laughs> bees. bees! I, I do like bees. how... Yeah, I do like how bees and cats are were two of the answers, and it's kind of like, hey, we're dealing with bees. Bee baby and I'm a cat. <laughs> well, that's part of what I wanted to do is I wanted to tie it into one, the bee baby, two, the cat folk angle and, you know, the reoccurring cat theme in this book. And I also wanted to play on something on shadow and light. Yeah, because the shadow plane Which is, just ended up being yeah. kind of a day and night sort of thing. So yep. I wanted the riddles to kind of pertain to like a parallel of what you're doing. So anyway, in case you're wondering, that's where those riddles came from. And we cured his insanity. And he mm-hmm. told us about how, yeah, I had second thoughts about what we were doing, so those jerk faces made me read these riddles yep. yeah. during a ritual. And Not cool. Yeah. And then he warned us about the cultists that had been captured and used the wish spell to remove their tattoos and were now acting as guardians of the place. Yep. And we, uh, we sent him to go hang out with Rahi until we we're all done in the Sphinx. Through some kind of like weird secret passage. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. That he had a secret passage to get back out. I also do really appreciate the fact that they talk about him struggling with his insanity. And they bring up how it's like, well, yeah, you can cure it through. It's either a lengthy process unless the powerful magic is used, such as greater restoration, 
Heal, Limited Wish, Miracle, or Wish. But I do appreciate that they actually bring up in here that uh, if the PCs return Lagash to Areyu and the Moftet tribe, years of safety amongst his family in the sun also restore some modicum of sanity and peace to the troubled Moftet. Aww, yay! So that the, the tribe would eventually manage to help him recover since they all band together as one big family. That's Aww. cute. That's That's nice. I, I like that they do include that they're, regardless, as long as the party's willing to make the effort, there there can be a happy ending. Yay. Well, that's good. Not a happy ending for the cultists and also for the creepy, whatever they're called, Guaykubu. Guaykubu. Yeah, that was the next episode. Yeah, in episode 143, at the end of episode 142, we had uh, walked out and then the Guaykubu had showed themselves and I still need to go down to Dallas and slap Rick. Um, (laughs) 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 We briefly mentioned it at the end of that episode, but that is, of course, because 142 and 42. I actually didn't catch that there was that parallel also. (laughs) Episode 42 of Tyrant's Grasp, minor spoiler here for that, also features teasing the exact same monster. Yeah. Wild. Of which is resolved in a fight in episode 143 of Mummy's Mask or episode 43 of Tyrant's Grasp. That is insane. That was serendipitous and not planned. And unfortunately, I couldn't also make that happen in Hell's Rebels. Because it would have been <laughs> way too high of challenge rating. And also, died. I don't think we it's in died. second yeah, edition. Yeah, we would have died. TPK, we all died. No, no hat trick for the Guaykubus. Yeah. Um, the fight in Mummy's Mask, a slight spoiler here, went way smoother than this fight in Tyrant's Grasp. Yeah. That's true. Also, they were advanced. Uh, Though we did get to see their whack whirlwind bite, which still boggles my brain. I, and I got yeah, to use my new spell. Yeah. I just picture since they're skeletons that their head just like spins around and bites everyone. <laughs> like their whole body doesn't move. To continue a reoccurring joking theme that I guess Rachel and I have going now. It reminds me of a guy in uh, My Hero Academia who can bite and eat through anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who does the exact same thing where he's just. I don't <laughs> think I'd want that power. Uh-uh, no, no I mean, it's a terrible superpower. <laughs> I think he's a villain, isn't he? He's a villain. I think his yeah. stomach also is like an extra dimensional space that can store a limitless amount of food, but he's also always hungry. He's yeah. face. But yeah, Hollis got trapped in stone and it took us a... Yeah, that sucked. We didn't have anything to really break her out. So luckily she was able to dimension... She had a dimension door on hand. I know yeah. I had to use my fourth level dimension door. I'm real salty oh, about yeah. it. yeah, that sucks. At least you had the spell. Yeah. Then we came to the room with the four marked strange doors, a skull, a shield, the faceless lady, who I don't know how we know it's a lady if there's no bust to show it's that a it's a lady. It's a doll. We know who it is. And well, an eye. So yeah. We should have gone in the eye. But anyway, that's jumping ahead. So <laughs> we made the choice to go through the shield door, and there, episode 143 ends with us running into a trio of rocks. Dancing yep. boys. Yeah. What the Vrock? Yeah. Doing the electric shuffle. I have a soft spot for Vrocks. This is more something Heather and I can commiserate on because back in the day when I first started, when we first started playing uh, 3.5, I ran a lot of Forgotten Realms. Yep. Which means that I ran a lot of Underdark and a lot of Drow, mm-hmm. which means that I used a lot of demons. Yeah. And I always just kind of liked the ridiculous vulture people that dance around and do yeah. a little jig in a circle to electrocute people. Something yeah, about the idea of it is just... They're just kind of ridiculous. <laughs> they're ridiculous in a dangerous way, though. And I was thinking when these ones showed up, it's like, wow, it's been a while since I fought Vrox. So I was kind yeah. of, you know... But then in the next episode in uh, 144, I, I remembered why I hate them. That was a wild episode. That was was a wild fight. Over the place. Holy crap. Masika (laughs) got off a flame strike and then uh, was stunned almost the entire rest of the fight. Yeah. Hollis was just like, what do I have in my bag? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those weird fights where, like, it actually had, like, kind of some way to counteract all of us. Because the mirror images were a great way to counteract the melee fighters. And then, yeah. you know, having immunity to most elements, especially electricity, was a good way to, like, get the spellcasters just be like, eh, crud. The, the attack spells on the shaman list are very heavily skewed towards electricity. And I don't know if it's because yeah. they try to, they're kind of... Elemental. Yeah, it's like an elemental Nature. thing. But there are a few fire ones, but I was thinking about it. I was like, I don't even think Masika has any acid-based spells so Hmm. it's fire or lightning y'all yeah i was uh fully prepared to pull out the oil of blessed weapon 
that has been sitting on or sitting in the medical kit for I don't even know how long. I don't even remember where we got it from, yeah. but it's been sitting in the bag. And I was like, I'm finally going to get to use this. And then the fight kind of started turning the tide in our favor. And I was like, nope, saving that. Might use it for the Glabrazoo. Yeah. Might use it for the frock that got away. <laughs> I've been trying to cast that wall of fire for like two or three fights. I think all three of these episodes, yeah. I was like, dang it, Sophronia. It's always Sophronia. He's in the way. Um, <laughs> And so I was like, you know what? At least this way they can't see us. They have to come in here. I don't know if it was right or wrong. And I, I, I was like, I do think it was right because it forced them to come into this small space where we could flank the bejesus out of them. Yeah. Uh, and then I was like, the longer I hold on to that elemental gem, the worse it becomes because it's only a large size elemental. And so I was like, you yeah. know, what? I'm just going to use it. And we uh, met Walter Bubbles. Them. He Walter was fun. Bubbles. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah, worked that out pretty helpful. well. I don't even know where we got that. Yeah, the other weird thing don't is remember. that you threw a, a water elemental gem after you had basically made the entire room flame, like having flames all in <laughs> yeah. it. So that the was room a little fire. Fire. <laughs> Well, the fire was to contain the battlefield, and the water elemental sure. was to put out the fire if I needed to, because mm -hmm. I don't have a way to get rid of that without casting Dispel Magic, which I don't want to cast because I'm saving those. Yep. Interesting thing with the frock. One, you guys got to almost experience all of their spells. Almost. Really all but uh, two. One of them you technically kind of experienced in that they'd all cast. They were aware that you were coming because that Moftat got away. By. That Moftat yeah. ran by going intruder alert, intruder alert, and yeah. kept running. So they, they all already <laughs> cast their heroism spell on themselves because oh, the duration rude. of that spell's forever. Ah. So I'll let you in on this one that they, they didn't get a chance to use. And uh, who knows, you might be fighting one again, but I don't think this is really going to sway things too much. Uh, they do have telekinesis as an at-will spell ability. <laughs> Oh, nice. Which is just kind of fun. Yeah. I will say they, they definitely concentrated more on messing with us than like trying to kill us per se, because they weren't like, like, you know, the chaos. The five attacks was pretty crazy, so they could have shish kebobbed us. Yeah. I'm good. sure those spores, they did damage every turn. If you don't get rid of them, those yep. will just kill you through attrition. Yeah. 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 And True. they can use it again every three turns. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, my God. So, and it's a free action each time. So, oh. yeah. Yikes. Like that can add up. Their Dance of Ruin is a really good like one and go kind of thing. Uh, for their tactics, a lot of times they say that if they think they can, they'll start another Dance of Ruin after they all cast their mirror image and then hope that the images give them enough rounds to finish their Dance of Ruin. Um, I mean, it's a good strategy. Yeah, it, it just doesn't work that in, that well against the group, and I decided not to use it after the first time when they went, okay, two people hit outside, one of them's a ghost, and two people apparently can evade all damage from an area effect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. That's the first time I've ever been like, mm, I'll be outside. <laughs> it was a good tactic, actually. It was a 15d6 lightning blast. Yeah. So, oh, dang. Yep, that yeah. was yeah, actually that rolled hurt. pretty poorly for it. I think I've, I think I only got like 36, maybe. I only, think it was. he says. Gracious. Average for uh, average for 15d6 is 52. I rolled wow. poorly. I yeah. was it was like ones and twos left, right, and center, which didn't really matter that much because I was only hitting Sophronia and again a half damage corporeal source. And yep. she made a reflex save, so quarter damage. <laughs> it was uh, excellent. But if if Jessica had not identified them because they were all chanting and dancing at the same time and they were taking turns to talk with you yeah. so that they could so that it didn't interrupt their chanting. Mm -hmm. uh, which is why they're going in circles uh, and each one of them was talking. And so if it if you waited another round, another six seconds or so, they would have just been like, and eh, we're done. Bzz. Sneaky, sneaky. So, well, yeah. demon. Yeah, when <laughs> things start sneaky talking to you, you have to be like, mm, trap. They're monologuing. Yeah, it's the classic but struggle. after killing two of the rocks, because apparently they were gated in, so they're dead, Jim. Yep. Yep. We went to the door with uh, Areshkigal's face on it, and... That whole hallway is full of lightning, so we'll see, what, sheet. we'll see what yeah. that's about. This is like I the Resident Evil hallway episode. with the laser I mean, coming out. Yeah, that seems, nah. that seems like a good way to use up a Dispel Magic. Yeah, that. although and we I could just close the door and go through the eyeball instead. That's, yeah, I'm down I'm, for that. I'm leaning more towards that just to, so we don't leave something behind us. I mean, all the doors come off the same room. I mean, if we go through the eyeball room and there's something on the other side of the sheet of lightning, they could come behind us too. So either way... We're leaving stuff behind us. See what's on the other side. You never know. Might be something else cool. We essentially went mm, lightning wall, BRB, and we can go look at the other yep. place and be like, okay, deal with this. Not lightning wall. 
I don't know how long the lightning wall will last. If it's a permanent effect, if it's some sort of, like, not a trap, but just something that's always active, and we'll see. It could be, but that would be weird. I mean, it's Pathfinder. There's weirder things. Well, Heather raised a very valid point in there that, uh... If they had made it a permanent effect, that's a very effective defense. If your prime, if that section is primarily being used by demons who are completely immune, yeah. So yeah. it's like they can just walk through it, and it's just a nice tingling sensation. It's just like passing through a beaded curtain, you know. True. Well, it was kind of the same way that there was like the fire motif going on everywhere when you guys were dealing with the uh, afreet, mm-hmm. where it's mm-hmm. just like, well, yeah. we're immune to fire, so might as well do fire things all of the time. Yeah, <laughs> and I wish I had more resist energies prepared because then it could be like add ah, lightning. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. We good. We good. Do you have a communal resist or do you only have Not prepared. Uh, I have one regular resist energy. I guess we'll see how you guys decide to handle it. Worst case scenario, you just put it on Sudi, have him poke his head through and see what's going on on the other side. (laughs) What could possibly go wrong? That's a A good way to lose your head. (laughs) Stick your head through and you're like, oh, that's not much. Oh, it's a fiendish Medusa. Oh, crap. (laughs) The good news is as being stone, I'll be actually wait. I'm not immune to petrification yet. Dang it. Nope. <laughs> nope. You'll just be more statue. Your girl yep. has fle- uh, stone to flesh, though. That's That'd true. be helpful. Yeah. You're much better prepared than you guys were the first time you faced the Medusa. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we do have some emails. Yeah. We asked and all of you delivered. Our first email is from Scott, who gives me a very detailed description of where he's from. Uh, he is, is. Does it end with a location, though? Yes. It. No. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say that it says from Scott in Lothadar, Merritt County, Tandek Prefecture, Taldor, Avistan, Galarian, Material Plane. All right. So, uh, he gave us I his mailing address. Unless he adds the prefecture in there. <laughs> so nice. Scott, I'm going to yep. shorten that. Scott from Taldor uh, says, Hi, FTP crew. Hello. Hope things are well with you all. They are indeed. They are. Yes, we're making it. I was just listening to episode 136. Jordan made an offhand comment about how Rick doesn't allow paladins unless their archetype trades away smite. Something about it being anticlimactic. Could you elaborate on that in an after party? Uh, more generally, are there classes or archetypes that you disallow at your tables for mechanical rather than narrative reasons, like being over or underpowered compared to other MP- other PCs? I will say the paladin thing is really just for the podcast. Yeah, I yeah. was going to say, yeah. we don't disallow it from the table, period, but for recording, it's just... From a good. narrative standpoint, it is anticlimactic. As Lady Sophronia is a little bit I was going to say, see yeah. Sophronia yeah. just, like, going in in one round, wiping right. the floor with well, that, people. Well, like the Bodok. The Bodok would yeah. have probably taken at least a round or two while you guys are fighting against this gaze attack, but the Paladin can every once in a while just go, I've decided this thing is dead. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I played a Paladin in our Curse of the Crimson Throne, and there was one fight towards the end where we were fighting an evil wizard and I declared smite and I killed her in one shot with a bow. So like Rick was saying, yeah. it's just it's, it can be anticlimactic for the show. It's it's radio drama. Yeah. You don't want us to, you know, have God mode on and waltz our yeah. way through the dungeons. And that's that's yeah, where that's paladins kind of shine. Paladins shine in big boss fights where you yep. yeah. mm-hmm. you know can basically just crank it. And the only other class is I'm a really big fan of the summoner and Rick is like, please don't do that on the podcast because he thinks it'll slow down combat too much. Summoners tend to slow down combat. I uh, disagree. Yeah. Summoners are the best. One day I'll see. I mean, well, I'm not arguing that they're not a combat. good class, but they slow down. <laughs> a lot of times, if I have anything that I disallow, it's because it just it can slow down things too much. Uh, in 3.5, I standardly disallowed Everett's Black Tentacles, which just eventually became Black Tentacles, yeah. which in yeah. Pathfinder are not as bad. But in 3.5, Everett's Black Tentacles slowed combat down to a snail's pace. Yeah, because every mm-hmm. single tentacle got a grapple attack, so you summon like 10 tentacles, and suddenly that's 10 more things for somebody to roll for. And, and for uh, anyone that ever played 3.5, you're probably aware of the grapple mechanics in 3.5, yeah. which were atrocious. <laughs> so, I've heard horror stories, but I never played it. I believe it was an accurate joke that Jason Bowman made where he said that there are some grapple checks that are still being resolved today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's really kind of it. So yeah, none of it has, I think, anything to do with being over or underpowered. It's just more for radio, for lack of a better term. There's not really anything we disallow off the pod. As a rule of thumb, I tell everyone that it's like, if it's Pathfinder Society illegal, then I'm fine with it. 
sometimes there are individual spells where I'll just look at that spell and go, that's not really well balanced. The two that immediately spring to mind are the um, Infernal Healing spell, which mm -hmm. just has its issues. Uh, in large part because it's better than most healing spells that a cleric can get, and it's a wizard spell at a lower level. And the original version of Snowball. That was a big enough issue that Paizo itself put out a new version of the Snowball spell because the Snowball spell was such an issue. I do sometimes disallow certain classes and or ancestries or what have you just based on a story. So, for instance, mm -hmm. Paladins in Skull and Shackle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But Scott goes on to say, for most of the time I've played 1E Pathfinder, my friends and I have been pretty hard line against ninth level spellcasters. This was a reaction or perhaps overreaction against the god wizard notion. We have started to relax it in 1E and it simply doesn't apply in 2E. What's y'all's experience? I've never really agreed with the whole druid zilla or cleric zilla or wi god wizard when Godzilla. they get to yeah when they get yeah. to a high enough level they're way more powerful than everyone else i've never really agreed with that and i've never had a problem with somebody playing a spellcaster in a game that we're potentially going to get ninth level spells for my quick take on this is if you are having a problem with the wizard being too powerful then your party is sleeping too often Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. a good point. Because the, the power of a wizard is dependent upon the fact that they have a limited resource, which means that their resource is more powerful than a fighter, but a fighter never runs out of sword. Yeah. yeah. Yep. The reason that Hollis shines as well as she does in the group, but doesn't overshadow the rest of the party, is that Jessica, or and again in Heather's case also, both of them know that they need to pace their spells because they're going to be doing five or six encounters, which means yep. that if they open up the door and go, well, I've got six level spells, so disintegrate. Bow! Immediately yeah, out true. of the gate. That's something that they won't necessarily have later on. Whereas, yep. you know, Sudi does have to balance his uh, his key points, but Citra, as long as she can get into the flank, can sneak attack all day long. And rogues <laughs> yep. can be devastating. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I, I've never had an issue with people playing high-level spellcasters over shining the rest of the party too much. Unless you're playing a game of which it happens. I have been that spellcaster before when I was a playing a wizard in Ross's Kingmaker. Because Kingmaker has a lot of, you explore a hex in a day and then there's one encounter and basically everyone knows you're only getting that one encounter that day. And when that happened, I just went, okay, well, fireball, fireball, lightning bolt, fireball. It just non It didn't help that I was playing an evoker. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the other thing is... Wizards suck for like five or six levels. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, yeah, tissue paper. <laughs> you <laughs> suck for five or six levels. If you're alive by ninth <laughs> level, you deserve to get to be good. Yeah. <laughs> so and and I think they they did specify that it is uh it's one e and two e kind of streamlines a lot of those issues. Two e kind of took that power curve that you you have where like the the wizards and and clerics and stuff get really really good at the end. They kind of have like a an exponential kind of growth and power. That's flatlined with to be in line with like kind of how your melee fighters are going, where they have a much more linear growth pattern. Yeah, we'll see how it kind of goes because so far spellcasting doesn't feel as powerful as anything else but i haven't played super high level yet so we'll see i think, I think the cantrips yeah. balance it out a lot I, yeah i was gonna say i feel that cesare to, to refer to hell's rebels is way more powerful than any other first level wizard i've ever played well than other yeah. first level wizards yes yeah. but scott just signs off with thanks so you're welcome i hope that uh helped answer thanks, your questions yeah, hopefully that was helpful and beneficial yep, yep. don't let your players sleep <laughs> don't let the characters sleep either, but don't let your players sleep. Yeah, Rick, you know, likes to text us all routinely every hour on the hour at night to make sure we're not getting any rest. Well, we yeah. just if him. he tried that with me, I would not be married. <laughs> He'd be dead. Rachel likes her sleep and has smacked him in the face before if he's gotten too close. <laughs> your little defensive kung fu I, in the I night. I don't realize it because obviously I'm asleep. Let's, I, keep, I let's keep our marital issues off there. <laughs> I like my sleep. Anyway, so, yep. our second email is from Diane from Daggermark. She hey, says, Diane. Cool. Hi, find the path cast. I think hey. they have professional poisoners in Daggermark. Ooh. They need to. Not they judging, Diane. <laughs> I wanted to email in and thank you for all the many, many hours of content you've provided to an up and coming GM. Aww. Awesome. Good for you. Thank Yay. you for taking on the mantle of GM. The burden is heavy but it's worth it. 
I also wanted to ask a question on how scenes in the pod happen. None of the characters ever seem to showboat, monologue, or do b- big speeches. Conversely, they argue in character frequently. Is this all? <laughs> is all of this just your table's culture, or is it like a spoken rule set? There have I feel like there's been a few times, like on Yuris got all monologue-y when we found the mask for a little while, but we're not big I mean, on tells from Dark Moon Vel, but that's just because I'm long-winded. So. <laughs> <laughs> in his daily life. <laughs> I just don't think I that's do. how we play like honestly we've said it on previous after parties the way we play on the show is the way we play when we aren't being recorded in the before times and it's one of those things our characters discuss what's going on in game and sometimes that leads to disagreements about which way we should go and everything i don't think we really had that too many arguments like real arguments beside the one between Citron on Uris. using the fr- the phrase scene there makes me think of some other people that i've seen play that want to have a discussion and talk about having a discussion and then like the gm kind of says okay cool let's have a scene of that and you kind of act it out we are completely like organic with it we don't talk about it in those terms so like it just kind of naturally comes up that we start commenting and discussing in character and things like that i will say the most we do is that sometimes like after an episode in the before times when we used to go to like lunch afterward like i would say to jessica or heather hey i think it'd be really cool if our characters uh, you know had this conversation Hmm. And it may or may not happen, but that's really the extent of our planning because sometimes like the flow of the episode, the that conversation that we want to have doesn't work. So we end up doing something else. I mean, it's all very organic. With yeah, and I feel like if we had a discussion about what we wanted our characters to talk about too in depth, it would just sound scripted on the show. We're much more mm-hmm. improv I guess. Like, I don't know what the best way to say that is. Improvisational. That's always been like our biggest like thing we don't want to do is become like a semi-scripted podcast. Yeah. We have to all like go prepare our parts and then go read the scripts and, you know, deliver the dialogue. The only time that I think I've quote unquote scripted something is for certain characters. If they have an expertise, I will go research that thing Mm -hmm. and bring in that information or something like that. But that's only because I personally am not an expert in the things that my character is an expert in. And the times we tend to get close to monologuing are when it's big character backstory moments where... Tell us about your childhood, Sudi. He he monologued in episode one. (laughs) (laughs) And I was in in a piece of cloth and the sphinx was flap flapping me around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think I think long story short, yeah, the, the big takeaway is that everyone I don't think anyone here really showboats. No. I think sometimes people are very excited to get out elements of their characters and mm-hmm. will kinda jockey for the limelight at times, but yeah. we know when to kind of step forward into kind of the limelight, if you will, and like when to take a step back and let somebody else have a turn. Yeah. Yeah. There's also the ability to be patient because you can kind of look at it and go, well, this is probably going to be 200 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, there's plenty of time for time. everybody <laughs> to get Fine. some limelight. Yeah. Every episode divisible by 50 can be sooty. And then the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. <there you> go. <laughs> We'll see what happens in 150. Diane does have a bonus question. Do you still play non-recorded Pathfinder? In the no. before times, we did. We Sometimes <laughs> we would play on one of the nights we didn't have to record or earlier before recording. I do on the Discord. And I also play Starfinder. I do some play by posting on the Discord right now, but like actually sit down ta- a virtual tabletop game. Unfortunately, not right now. Yeah, unfortunately, our... Uh... The only adventure path that we were doing while we launched this podcast was Strange Aeons. And that, unfortunately, is something we have not played in well over, I think, a year and a half by this point. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, me too. It was such a good one. It is. So much of our not being able to do that just kind of comes down to between the recording schedules, editing schedules, and all the rest of Mm -hmm. that. It just, it makes it more difficult. It is something I would like to do again to have something that we can just kind of have to always be on when you're being recorded. It'd be nice to have a game where you can, you know, t- have a snack or. <laughs> I was going to say, eat yeah. some uh, chips. We all just snacking. Boards. Not to rant or, or put ourselves up on too much of a pedestal here, but 
we did have some like grade A gourmet nerd snacks. Yeah, going we did. Oh, yeah. yeah, we did. We had little did cutting did boards snacking. full of uh, a variety of different cheeses, like little charcuterie. Yeah, different, yeah. Yeah, yeah. different, uh, different crackers and uh, a variety of cured meats to choose from. We did, and we because Rick and I actually got like a fancy board, <laughs> board for our yeah. wedding, and it's the only time right. we used it was for our D and D and it was awesome. Jess a lot of times would make cookies, and we'd have like yeah. fresh yeah, we'd have cookies. cookies and brownies and and then we take we take a break halfway through the game to like make dinner and yeah Yeah. we'd all eat dinner together oh i'm now i'm sad before times don't say the before times times, like they're not coming back guys it was kind of before recording times (laughs) but (laughs) the way before times so right now no not really but hopefully soon one day yes so diane signs off with thanks a bunch and again, you're, you're welcome. Thanks a bunch to you for writing in. Thank you for joining our adventure, and uh, thank you for taking up the role of Game Master. There's not enough of us in the world. Join the Discord. There's, yes. Uh, yeah. GM There's plenty of people to play with, yeah. Yep. Hey, let me know if you like Waterworld. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'll kick this over to Jessica, but I think someone recently sent in an email, which we'll probably get around to reading eventually also, but I think it was uh, after Diane's asking about how to join the discord go to our website there's a link to the discord on the very front page our website being find-path.com yes in the top right corner you will see a bunch of different social media links but one of them is the discord invite and when you click it it will let you join the discord for find the path our our third and final email from this after party is from Cameron from the Plane of Air. Rat. <laughs> he hey, said it in real life. <laughs> he says, Canada. greeting trekkers of trails, which I love, by the way. <laughs> nice. I love that. Nice. He's like, I'm Cameron, am Wampus on Discord, and apparently from okay. the Plane of Air, he's from Snydenham, Ontario. Yep, Canada. <laughs> yeah. Fun, fun Canada. side note, and I didn't do it for this, but I could have. We had enough emails in that I thought about doing an entire Canadian after party episode. Oh, I mean, some of the Canadians would have been jumping in line in front of some other people, and I know how guilty they feel about things like that. <laughs> 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 they know how to make a good cue. <laughs> Cameron says, this is the first time I've ever written a fan mail, and I actually found you through a awesome. negative review of the Glass Cannon podcast. But let me just say... <laughs> okay, weird. that's a weird yeah. way to find us. <laughs> but, he's, but let me just say, I word that Rick would slice into pieces, love you guys, and all of your characters. I'm going to say <laughs> that's the F word. Dropped in we love y'all too. too. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, y'all, you, you, I guess you're one person. I don't know. Uh, but I have to say, Sudi is my absolute favorite. Yay! Oh. So Narmer is a close second. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, Narmer is aspiring to be more sooty like. Yes, it's true. He's got to go collect some more rocks for meditation time. <laughs> she won't let me glue stones to my head. <laughs> to start this off, I have to say that the energy and, and enthusiasm all of you put into this show is absolutely heartwarming. Because when you first started this show, I can only imagine the doubts you had and that this would succeed, especially to the degree that, it, degree that it already has. Yeah, we were, sometimes I look at Rick and I'm like, what, like 50 people listen to us, right? And he's like, Heather. There's like 500 <laughs> on the Discord, Heather. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I've never been a professional voice actor or gone to you know school for this stuff or anything. And like having a bunch and bunch of people listen to us every week mm-hmm. is just kind of still surreal. You know, like it's, it's awesome, weird. Though. Yeah. It is awesome, but it's weird. Over 500 people willing to pay us for this. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so, all. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting thing because we are asked that periodically, not only by listeners, but also by people that are looking at forming their own podcasts. And uh, we're always encouraging, I believe, that the rising tide lifts all ships and that mm-hmm. the more people out there, the more people interested in the game, the longer the hobby, the better the hobby will endure through years to come. Yes. But when we launched this, I think our goal wasn't be successful or a targeted goal when we set out. We just wanted to produce the best content we could. And uh, this is the best gaming group that I've ever had. 
And Aww. so I thought that Aww, they could shucks. definitely deliver on that. I mean, we think We've, we're entertaining. Yeah, we well, do. And, and <laughs> we have improved in large part because of the feedback that we've gotten from everyone. And so thank you all for making us better at what we do yep. so that we can make better things for you. Reciprocal. We have never advertised for this podcast. No. We have never sure. done any type of marketing whatsoever. Our entire success is because of the fans yep. and because of everybody yeah. getting out there and telling everybody they knew that and you yeah. should listen to this podcast. And we love you all so much. And it's true. Yep, yep. You are the wind beneath our wings. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Cam- Cameron goes on to say, I must say that I have enjoyed as, as of the time I'm writing this all 231.9 hours of the show uh, and will continue to enjoy cow. all the more hours to come. Oh, like, my God. <laughs> Um, wow, has it really been that much content? Holy God. cow. And my first question is for Rick. When, if you can't say, will the Faded Tales return? Yeah, Rick, when are the Faded characters going to come back? Well, my character's <laughs> not coming back, hopefully. Well, you'll make a new one. <laughs> I'll make a new one. Yeah, the girls decided to go save the world, and the guys were like, I just want to be in my gang. <laughs> yeah. I want to go back and run Wati. <laughs> I do whatever the boss says, because I'm a bootlicker. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway. So, uh, well, first off, just a fun little side note. Uh, as of as of the recording of this episode, uh, we have 238 hours worth of content uh, on our oh main channel. Oh my gosh! Uh, that wow. is just our main channel. That is not counting the like 60 more hours from Tyrant Scrap. It doesn't seem like it's that much. It doesn't. It's your whole I mean, life, like Heather. We've been doing this for what, like <laughs> three years. two and a half years now, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I think it'll uh, be three years in just a couple months. Yeah, yeah. three years, I think, this summer. This is the yeah. longest so, we've ever um, played an adventure path because they don't usually take this long. Well, that's yeah. because of the episode well, yeah. format. It's true. <laughs> true. I do have plans for a return of a side story, although I would not necessarily say that it's going to be the faded tells. Well, because there aren't any faded people anymore. I guess technically, yeah, we we did leave the gang. So let, let me just say that there are a number of elements that I'm looking forward to, a number of story beats that I'm looking forward to further exploring and perhaps resolving as uh, once we get to Out the of this end stupid of... stupid sphinx. I'm not going to call it stupid sphinx because that's bad marketing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> once we get out of the boring sphinx. adventure Nobody would ever in. come to the tourism board of stupid sphinx. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. They or might. listen to, uh, let's just complain about how long this dungeon is. Since we are getting back to the, to the last third of the adventure path there are a lot of uh, a lot of loose ends that i'm wanting to tie up so that as we get into the uh, the final stretch of mummy's mask we can focus entirely on doorkeepers v hakatep in the trial of the century nice oh is that what oh, we're no, I, do? I, it's just a hold i take this back somebody else loses an eye this time <laughs> Uh, and cameron says now a question for everyone where in galarian would you put the greek pantheon Oh, Greeks. Oh, jeez. Oh, um, Islands. Yeah. Yeah, gotta be islandy. I actually have an answer for this, and that is uh, Iblidos. It's an island nation in an archipelago off the coast of Kasmaron in the Obari Ocean. It is said to be amongst the oldest known human civilizations in Kasmaron. Very little is known of this ancient land, although it is often grouped with other ancient empires of that continent, even though it is unclear whether or not they're located in the same general region. Few historians mention the connection there with lost empires, uh, but Iblodos has a long standing contact with the Cyclopean nat- nations. See, of that I was continent. actually yeah. just thinking about the Cyclo- the ancient Cyclops empire, that it's like maybe the Greek gods would fit with the ancient Cyclopses. Yeah, yep. that makes sense. Uh, Iblidos is known as the birthplace of the of many infamous monsters, including the Medusa, Hydra, oh. Harpy, and Chimera. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Chimera. The, yeah. The nice. mysterious race of sphinxes have almost as long of a history in Iblidos as they do in Osirian. Yep, makes sense. Yep. Makes sense. The yeah. race of half-men known as centaurs are yep. said to originate uh-huh. from Iblidos as well. Okay, so yeah, so there you go. So in answer There's to your Greece. question, Iblidos. <laughs> Look at there that. Rick is. gave us an answer. We don't have opinions. We just have facts. Yep. Also, <laughs> just because I can share this real quick, and uh, I encourage, I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. That is oh, the art yeah. for Iblidos. Okay, there oh, you go. Which yeah. includes yeah. a, a it's, Tremere. It's and, Athens, man. Yeah, it includes a Tremere and like the Athenian type style. It is I an area of the world that I cannot wait for them to actually explore a little bit more. Yeah. I think, they, I think they refer to it at some point as like the land of demigods because they have like all these demigod heroes. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Oh yeah. Are there any adventures there? I don't think there are. I know that they they hit on it a little bit when they put out the mythic adventures, and unfortunately, the mythic rules weren't exceptionally well received in that the balance mm. kind of flew out the window with them. Uh, and as such, well, I don't think it was to, ever explored. Welcome to Mythic. But mm-hmm. I don't actually believe that there are any adventures currently placed there. You can find out more in uh, Distant Shores, Mythic Monsters Revisited. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, that doesn't seem that like there's any adventures set there yet, but who knows? Maybe Paisa will explore that again sometime soon. Because I've always been really intrigued at doing something set there. That would be cool. All right, but Cameron signs off with, that's all I have for now, but keep doing what you're doing and your community will only grow. All the best. Well, thank you for thank your you. question. That's the plan. And I learned about a new nation in Galarian that now there needs to be an AP set there. <laughs> right? All right. Well, do we have time for a casting? I think we should make There's some There's always time for casting. Yeah. We can make this quick. So, Heather, if you want to go ahead and bounce me a d4. A D four. We're only we're down to a D four. We're running out. We're gonna have to find yeah. something else to do here soon. Uh, oh my. Three. All right. It's gonna be interesting. Today we're gonna be casting Savannah the Seventh Bell. Oh. No ancient records reveal the truth of Savannah's origins. In fact, only recent documents record her existence at all. The Seventh Veil is widely regarded as a goddess of illusion magic, often portrayed as a figure disguised by seven veils. Legends state that each face underneath the first six of her seven veils is a different ancestry. Human, elf, halfling, gnome, anandi, and naga. But the seventh face is never shown, believed to mask the goddess's true form. Some theologians believe Savannah hails from the shadow plane, although the goddess's true nature and form continue to be topics of debate. Even her female visage, while agreed upon by her followers, could likewise be an illusion. Her goals are hidden from even the most faithful, which some believe to have hampered the faith's growth and influence beyond the level of a cult. So I can show you a depiction, but uh, no one really knows what she actually looks like. Okay. Hmm. All right. I don't know why this actress just popped into my head, but she did, so I'm running with it. I'm going to go with Emily Blunt, and I don't know why. She's (laughs) just who popped into my head. Cool. She was in the Devil's Verse Prada, and she's been in the Quiet Place movies. I don't know. Like I said, something about her just popped into my head when Rick was talking. So that's I'm going to go with my gut on this one. Nice. I do like her as an actress. Who's that? Me? Yeah, you. Yep. I have three. Nope. Okay. Of course you do, but you get one. I know. And I think I'm going to scrap my first two because I've been um, recently going back and watching a lot of old movies, just nostalgia reasons. And... They said veiled. So I was like, huh, who, what actress do I know that has acted in a veil? And I thought Miranda Richardson, because she's veiled in uh, Sleepy Hollow, mm-hmm. and she is able to emote and play that witchy character so well through the veil that I'm just like, yeah, Miranda Richardson. And for those of you guys who don't know, she played like uh, Rita Skeeter in the Harry Potter movies. Obviously, okay. the the witch in uh, Sleepy Hollow. She's a, an incredible uh, British actress. I just absolutely love her. So yeah. that's who I'm going with, Miranda Richardson. That is not a bad choice. So um, unfortunately, my first pick for this has already been cast as Kalistra. Uh, so uh, which I think I put her up for that one also, which was Shirley's Throne. It was also an amazing actress. Yep. However, I'm going to go with my second choice for this, Amy Adams. Oh. She has amazing range. She can go from anything from being like Lois Lane, whom a lot of people probably know from the recent Henry Cavill Supermans or the Zack Snyder Supermans. She was on Buffy back in the day. Was she? Yeah, she was a, a guest role on one episode. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but she she has such amazing range and can jump back and forth from playing so many different roles mm-hmm. that, again, she just kind of goes from either being like this always on top of things, like almost overblown personality to then the next role being someone, you know, quieter or more reserved. And so I think I believe that she could accurately portray seven characters at the same time. Yeah. So, yeah, Amy Adams, wonderful actress, natural redhead. I'm not positive. Oh, that made me think of someone else. But I'm going to stick with the one I came up with, which is (laughs) I'm going to pick Jane Fonda. Because 
She okay. has re reinvented herself so many times over her <laughs> lifetime. Yeah. Like she was a, a sex symbol protester versus the Vietnam War, and then she quit acting, and then she's back acting. So I feel like she's lived at least seven lives. So she could definitely do this. Did y'all yeah. see that picture of her there? She was all fancy on the runway in a really pretty dress. And then the next morning, it's her eating breakfast in it because she couldn't take it off because she couldn't reach the zipper. And the caption, the caption on it is like, the only time I've ever wanted a husband, I had to sleep in this dress. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so I do love me some Jane Fonda. Yeah, <laughs> she's pretty great. Right. Nice. All right, bringing up the rear. Um, so my, my thought process on this is, Okay, you're gonna have seven different faces, so you need somebody with a really distinctive voice to kind of tie them all together. So, been watching a lot of The Expanse and Grimm recently, and Sheree uh, Agdashlu oh. is fantastic. I love her in everything. Who I've does seen she her. play in, in The Expanse? Uh, she Avasarala. is Avasarala. Yeah, she has a very husky, smoky voice. She was also the. Um, she, it's, yeah. I freaking love her. She's she was the, the voice. officer's mother in the first season of Luke Cage. She was also on the yeah. Punisher uh, TV show. She's been yeah. in uh, Mass Effect. Oh, yeah. I know who you are talking about yes. now. Yeah. yeah, she's the the admiral. She's one of the admirals. For the yeah, yeah, Admiral Corian. I like her a Fantastic. lot. She's an amazing she's actor. Good. That is yeah. that is yeah. a that is a good pick. She's she's Iranian American, um, mm -hmm. and she's played a lot of different roles that have not been like Iranian necessarily. So I think it'd be really interesting to see how she pulls off all these different uh, ancestries you know together. You know what? I'm changing, I'm changing my vote to Jordan's Me vote. too. Woo! I'm there. I'm on that. Finally, train. somebody likes my casting. Well, I'm actually pretty well on board with that too. Oh, so I think we might not we have a vote on this fans, one, y'all. Unless, you know. We still leave it for the fans to try to, in, to give their input, but that's a good one. So, I do want to say the goddess may not in fact be a goddess as they kind of bring up in there, at which point, if you're not going for an actress, I think we can all agree on Gary Oldman. Because <laughs> Gary Oldman can play anybody. <laughs> because yeah. Gary Oldman can play any character. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. So you yeah. can go to the Reddit, as always, to vote. Avasarala! Yay! Yes. <laughs> and uh, Grandmother Spider was finally cast as Lupita Nyong'o. And oh, Eddie Izzard won the role of Alestia. That's oh, a good yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was good good casting. So. Yep. yep. Eddie is a good choice. Uh, Angela Bassett, what's wrong with you? And uh, <laughs> Ava Sarala. Yeah, I thought Whoopi Goldberg was a good choice on that one. You're so. weird. You're pulling things from the 90s. You need to yeah. stop watching movies from the 90s. For a <laughs> All right. And as always, Pathfolk, thanks for listening. You can hang out with us on the Discord and play some games. You can find us on Twitter and Reddit. Don't forget to vote for your casting choice on the Reddit polls. Yep, yep. Good right. luck out there. Good luck, Bye, Pathfinders. Folk. Bye. Bye, Pathfolk. May you all roll natural 20s. Yep. <laughs> Except for you GMs. You roll ones. <laughs> Give Imagine. a little challenge, at least midway. Tens. Imagine how boring it would be if you just rolled natural 20s. I'm just saying, have some good luck out there. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyrighted 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.